Hey, everybody, welcome back to Truth Uncut, a show where we tell the truth in an uncut fashion, meaning that it's not diluted or mixed in with any other substance. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me, as always, is Kevin Bedard. And in today's episode, we're going to continue listening to Kevin's story of being addicted to redeemed. Cue the intro music. When you were getting ready to go into this rehab, you know, basically your girlfriend had broken up with you. You're like, I'm going to take the 30-day rehab because I just need to get back so she doesn't break up with me. At that point, were you desperate to change your life? I was desperately miserable in my life, and I knew that it wasn't what where I wanted to be. I want it, so, And this is also going to change and come out in my testimony. So before, I wanted to be a nightclub owner. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to be a nightclub owner. I wanted to have, you know... A financial be a financial advisor be in money and you know have a nice car and all this mm -hmm. other stuff so i just knew i was screwing my life up and it wasn't the direction that i wanted to go i wanted to be in a relationship and i was like what woman's gonna want to be with me right. right i can't even take care of myself right right and, th and this is where depression started to kick in i guess mm. i would say i was in a state of depression i don't know if i've sure. ever been diagnosed with depression necessarily but i've been in a place where i hated my life yeah and i wanted it to change i just couldn't so i was desperate um, but then again, it really comes back to, I didn't know how to change. And I also just thought that, so I ended up going to this place and I get out and I get a job and God opened the door. Uh, I don't, I'll share this funny thing. So, uh, it, you know, the program was only in 30 days. Well, sure. so I got this job at this place called Archstone. That's no longer a company. So I'm going to say this, but it's kind of funny. So I get this job at Archstone and they, well, they offer it to me. Right. And they're like, Hey, by the way, we're going to do a drug test. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, no problem. I'm thinking like, it's been 30 days, you know, I'm yeah. good. Well, as they started to call me, they called to inform me what day I needed to show up. And they're like, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to come in there and we're going to cut your hair and we're going to do a hair follicle or whatever <laughs> oh, test. Yes. So I started researching it. Right. So I go in there and I'm like looking it up and it says that drugs stay in your system for 90 days. And I'm yeah. like, should have took the 90 so, day program. <laughs> no, bro. I had a solution, man. Oh gosh. <laughs> I had a solution. So I went home and I cut my hair super short and I oh. just butched it all off. So it was like this long. Right. So I'm like, there's not 90 days in of my hair there. So they're, they're not going to get me. Right. So I show up, bro. This is so funny. <laughs> so I show up to the thing and she goes, well, I don't want to cut your hair because it's going to leave a little bald spot. She goes, can you pull out your armpits? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, crap, dude, I didn't cut those ones. <laughs> so oh uh, this is a true story, man. So anyways, testimony. Did she cut your armpit hair? She did. She trimmed my armpit hair because she didn't want to leave a bald spot. I was like, no, it's cool. I don't care. <laughs> but she cut oh my, my armpit gosh. hair. I bet so you were desperate to have her. You, you were desperate to have her cut your hair and not your armpit hair, weren't you? Well, geez, man, I thought I had it, I had it figured out all on my own. Oh man, imagine but that. Jesus, Jesus is grace once again in my yeah. life. I got the job right. So, anyways, I, I I'm staying there. But this is what happened. Uh, I had to work on Sundays, and the church was kind of far. And I was like, I don't want to drive out there. And I didn't get super connected. So I ended up starting to drink and thought I was cool. Meaning cool, not like I'm cool or 
Right. No, you thought you could you know, handle I thought it. I, yeah, exactly. I thought right. I, I thought I could handle it sure. because that wasn't my problem. Right. Well, <laughs> so, you know, but it was association. So yeah. I think we were actually going through this Bible study last uh, with the church that I'm at. And we were talking. One of the questions that we were discussing was, you know, what does it mean to follow me? You know, when all the scriptures, mm. when people talk about Jesus and they just picked up, dropped their nets and they just went and he's like, Hey, you know, don't get your sack. Don't bring this and this and right. just follow me. And, uh, you know, I was still at that point trying to just not ruin my life. Mm. Not, I wasn't trying to have a relationship with Jesus, even though I had experienced it and I knew his love and I had been free from that. Right. Um, but I was just trying to not have the re repercussions, man. Right. I just didn't want all the pain and yeah, I didn't you, want to hurt wanted, other people. You wanted, that's interesting because I, I feel like this is, this is true of, of a lot of us within Christianity. We want all of the benefits of being a disciple without actually being a disciple, right? Yeah. Like we want, we want the good life. We want all that stuff, but we want to be able to do, we want to be able to be a Christian while still living a worldly lifestyle, right? Yeah. What I, what I personally would call myself at the time, because I went through a very similar thing, uh, a Christian in name only, right? Mm -hmm. Like I called myself a Christian, you know, I'd been to church, all those types of things, but I still, I just wanted to be in the world, didn't really have, you know, an in-depth relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think when we talk to people, we need to change our language. When we go up to people, we're like, oh, are you, you a believer? Are you a Christian? It's like, really, the question is like, are you a follower? Do you follow the commandments of Jesus? Because that's what, if they, if that's the answer is yes, mm. then we know that they are actually are a Christian. But you can't, you can't be a Christian if you're not following and obeying. Yeah, Kyle you, Eidelman called it um, being a follower and not a fan. What do you mean by the fan? I don't understand. Well, well, think about it. A fan is you, you cheer for your team, whatever, while you're there, but then you're Monday through Friday, it's you're doing your own thing. It's the same oh, thing. Okay. A lot of people show up to church on Sunday and they're a fan of Jesus. They like everything he stands for, but they haven't really like committed their life to that. They haven't become a follower, which is that take up your cross and follow me. Right. Like the self-sacrificing mm -hmm. of my will and choosing his will instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I'm not uh, a fan, bro. I'm a follower. Yeah, I'm a little bit of both, I guess, because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I start shouting for Jesus now in the middle of the church and people are like, yeah, be quiet. But no, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm joking. Um, I just get excited, man, because sure. God has done so much. You know, yeah. I think I always mention this to people when, you know, it's uh, those who've been forgiven much, love much, man. And, mm. and I, you know, if I was shouting for some sports team or whatever, I figure, why can't I get up and shout and run around and chant for right. Jesus, you right. know, so. Uh, going back to, so I get out of this treatment center and I get involved in, you know, partying and stuff. And I got back on drugs and then I get arrested for heroin possession charges. Uh, mm. I was sitting in my car and, you know, honestly, the way that the cops did it wasn't necessarily like according to the fourth or fifth amendment, fourth amendment, you know, or whatever. But sure. Jesus was looking out for me, man. He was like, I'm going to save this kid from ruining his life. So. Anyways, I get in trouble and fast forward, you know, my aunt, she's a pretty sweet lady. And so she operates in the Holy Ghost and in the prophetic gifts and words of knowledge and wisdom. 
And I didn't know what all that stuff was, but apparently she got some vision of my mom crying. And so she called my mom and she actually told me recently that I guess when she came down, she came to San Diego, maybe a couple months or six months or something before. I don't know the exact time, but apparently I told her I was because I was sober. So I was like, yeah, I was like on drugs, you know, or something. Mm -hmm. I told her that. So I guess she had it for 11, 12 years. I didn't realize that she knew that, but apparently I shared that with her at some point. But anyway, so she called my mom and she's like, hey, you know, send Kevin up here. Why are you crying? And my mom, my mom, I think, opened up and said, you know, he's doing this and that. And so she's like, well, if he wants to come up, send him up. And so it was either go back to rehab or go to my aunt's house. And uh, she knows this, but she had a boat. <laughs> so I was like, hey, dude, sounds a lot more fun than being in a hospital, dude. Oh so gosh. the next day I get on a, on a plane, I was making sure I tried to use all my drugs the night before <laughs> just to make sure I could make it there without dying. So anyways, yeah. I remember my um, cousin in law, I guess my cousin's husband, is that the right word? But anyways, he picked me up from the airport and then I just detoxed for five days. So going into the church, of course, I had to, you know, go to the church with them and they were in leadership and there was only like eight people in this church. Uh, at this leadership meeting. And the truth is, is I think my aunt, I don't, I've never asked her this, but I believe this is probably the truth, but she, they had a leadership meeting. So she called the pastor and was like, Hey, can I bring my, my nephew? And I believe it's because they didn't trust me at the house. I've never asked her that straightforward, yeah. but you know, it's probably Wait, smart you, to not leave just, me there. You just asked her cause she's watching. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go upstairs and be like, she's going to tell me. So yeah. yeah, I figured, you know, maybe she don't trust me. At least I wouldn't. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to bring him to this church. And apparently the pastor said, yes. Yeah. So I walk into this church and I look around and there was, I don't remember. No, this was the first service. So I'm mixing two things up. Right. So the, I went to the church before this and I walked in and there was, I don't know, maybe like 12 or 15 people. And I was like, man, they need me here. <laughs> that sounds oh my, so conceited, oh but my it's, gosh. Uh, but this was my thought because I'm such a social person. I'm like, oh, sure. I'll fill this place up. You know, I got to yeah. come up here and start bringing all the people into the now, church. And at, at this juncture, are you still like in full blown addiction or like, what's... Oh no, I'm like seven days off heroin. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> seven days off here and you walk into a church and you're like, they need me here. I love it. I love it. It was Recognizing... a weird thought. It Yeah. I just said they need me to fill this place up. There's not too many people here. Yeah. So what you what you didn't realize at that moment is that that's part of your call is that networking and connecting. You know. Well, it wasn't me that said it. Sure. Right. And you'll and you'll see how what I mean by that. So a week later, I go to this leadership thing with them, and they bring and some husband and wife that I'd never met, and I really didn't know the pastor or anybody outside of my aunt. Um, yeah. nobody knew what I was going through. Maybe she shared it with some of the close family members, but I know nobody was going to the pastor. At least I don't think, yeah. um, so these people come in and they talk about this imparting in the gifts and I'm like, whatever that is, dude, impartation what I don't know. So anyways, yeah. this lady comes up to me and she goes at the end and she looks at me and I've never met this lady in my life. And she says that people have labeled you in your life and you're no, uh, you're no longer that person that mm -hmm. you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you're going to mm -hmm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So wow. she says this to me and I'm like, what? <laughs> She's a psychic, bro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. So did she start speaking in that Jewish language? <laughs> no, 
because I, I probably wouldn't have understood it, right? right. But uh, but I did. I started speaking in it, man. That's what's about to happen here. This is the exciting part. Because I used yeah. to make fun of these people on YouTube. They would, you know, um, put like the Street Fighter. Remember Ryu and Ken? Yeah. And he'd be like, "Hi, you can," and like shoot the fireball across the yeah. screen. Oh right. So I used to watch these videos with my friends in the church people in the little thing and they would Photoshop it in a, like a Pentecostal church. And the pastor would be like, <laughs> touching the people's heads and they'd be like, oh, like flipping out. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, these people are cracked out, man. I didn't <laughs> so, even act like that when I says was on the heroin stuff. addict. <laughs> I said, right? I didn't even act like that, man. It's OK to be like a Christian, but don't be weird. So. So anyways, Jesus had to make me one of those people. So. A weird so this person. woman, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, other people would think I'm weird, but I don't even care anymore. It doesn't even right. matter. There's nothing greater than being weird. That's why it says that we're not of this world. So oh, I don't oh, really care. We have, we have a response. We have a response from Carolyn. Oh. We have a response. She said, I didn't want to leave you alone because you were so sick from withdrawals just a few days before. She didn't want you puking on her carpet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot more sincere. I told you she was a sweet lady. I'm telling you, she's a good, yeah. <laughs> I told you she was sweet. I, I thought it honest to God. I was like, yeah, I figured they didn't trust me at the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they actually didn't want you to die. Yeah. Well, I told you she was sweet. Yeah. So anyways, um, uh, so yeah, I go, I, this lady looks at me and she says this well, because of that Christian rehab I had been to. They had taught a little bit on this on this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, as far as baptism of the spirit or speaking in tongues, and I didn't really understand it. They sure. just taught on it, right? So she ends up coming up to me and she's got my attention. At this point, I'm like kind of on my knees and I'm thinking, you know, I'm on my knees because I'm surrendering a little bit to Jesus, and I'm like, hey, Lord, like that was kind of crazy. How'd she know this? And all of a sudden she looks at me, Ryan, and she comes up to me and she looks at me and she points her finger and she goes, God's calling you to be here. Mm. And I instantly thought of what I would call now at the time I called it my intuition, but I know it was God when I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be a part of this church. And mm. so she says that. And at first in my mind, I um, said, I didn't say this out loud. And then she starts to turn around and walk away. And after she said, God, God's calling you to be here, I said, did she really just say that to me? Mm. And I didn't say it out loud. And you she thought turned, it. Yeah, I thought it. Okay. I was like, did she really just say that to me? Like in my mind. Mm -hmm. And she stops, does a 180, turns around and looks at me. And she goes like this, points directly at my face. And she goes, yes, you. Bro, at that moment, my hair stuck up on my arms. Mm. And I was like, okay, Lord, this is exactly what I said. I said, okay, Lord. I said, the Moses thing where he parted the Red Sea, I thought that was nonsense, but I believe it's true. Right. I said, forgive me. Forgive me. I believe you're real. And I said, from this point forward, I will do everything that you ever asked me to do. And at that moment, I just completely just fell. Oh, wait, she did. She did look at me and she goes, if the Holy Spirit's resting on you. Uh, or she goes, I could see the Holy Spirit's resting on you. If you if you want to drink of new wine, you have to open your mouth. And there's a scripture that says that you can't put new wine into an old wine skin because, right. you know, contextually it'll or it'll, yeah, it'll basically the fermentation process mm -hmm. when they put the, the wine into it. I'm not. Yeah, I'm explaining this for other people in case they're listening. But um, 
they would put the wine into the animal hide and that's how it ferment, but it's kind of like a balloon. So it would cause the expansion. Like if you took a balloon and put the air into it and then it's thinner, so it's easier to pop the thing. Right. So that's the whole concept, but it's actually speaking of being filled with the Holy ghost that the old man dies and your new creation in Christ, which is what she had just prophetically spoken over me right before all of this happened. And so anyways, I got laid out and I turned around. I remember my aunt was behind me and I started trying to, turn to her because i knew she would get excited because she already knew this and wants everybody <laughs> right. to have the holy ghost oh, right yeah, so, well, so do we now now that i understand it right. um and i was trying to to tell my aunt but i couldn't i was like like every time i tried to speak english my tongue just was trapped and i couldn't stop speaking in tongues so anyways i called my mom and i said hey this is crazy this is what happened i'm moving in 12 years i was up there 12 years so that was the testimony. I'm going to speed this up because I know we're getting into it or as far as time. Yeah. So that was how I got into the church, how I gave and sur surrendered, and I was 24. So in the next two years, I ended up getting promoted four times in two years, went from being homeless, sleeping pretty much in my car. Occasionally, my parents would let me in the house when they were home, but they couldn't let me in the house when I they weren't there because I was stealing stuff from them. Yeah. Um, and so I end up, my aunt leaves, they go to Georgia and I just had an awesome time, man. I was just bringing people to the church and fast forward, you know, I would say six years into this, I ended up getting let go from my job for some things and, um, for basically doing what Jesus would tell me in, in California, they don't like that when you talk about Jesus. So I lost my job. And I ended up taking 14 months off, but this was like the coolest thing because during that 14 months, I had taken 14 months off because God had blessed me financially. I was single. I was like, Hey, this is the only time I'm probably going to have an opportunity to really just enjoy my life and pursue Jesus. And uh, honestly, at that time I had the thought in my mind that I was going to take this time off and I'm just going to go and evangelize all of the city. Right. And just tell everybody about Jesus. And, and so we did, during we did that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes at one well, o'clock in the morning. It helped when you came out of prison and everything because yeah. I was kind of by myself. I got lonely. I had a really hard time. I wasn't perfect during this time. Even after I gave my life to Christ, I ended up getting a DUI. Mm. You know, and I had a really hard time because I was I didn't I went to a small church and the people were all married or had kids. And so anytime sure. Friday night would come around, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And I got lonely. I started hanging out with people. There were times sure. I went out and drank and did stupid stuff and yeah. uh, would, you know, go to church and cry and repent. And, you know, I, I did. But it was because of loneliness, I would say. And I yeah. just had this this burden on my heart. I'm like, Lord, I just wish we had a house of prayer, because the one thing that just always brings peace to me is when I'm in the presence of Jesus especially when there's worship going on. Right. Love it. Love being in worship. It's such a peaceful place. It doesn't matter. You could be going through hell or you could lose your job. Your house could be on fire. It doesn't matter what your problems are. There is something that is guaranteed every single time you have the opportunity to sit and just put worship music and spend time mm -hmm. in intimacy with God, yeah. that there is healing. There's a place yeah. of peace and the peace that passes all understanding yeah, is that's good. That's what, that's the place that you can find it. And yeah. I knew that. And when you start to have that relationship in God, with God in that depth, you understand that that is your refuge. Mm. So when David talks in the Psalms, that's your refuge. You know, he's my uh, my rock and my foundation. And when I hide mm. under your wings and these things, like 
that is something that you learn that when there are challenging times that there is a place that that's what you run but this was the problem i wasn't mature enough at that point ryan that i would run to that place but i would get stuck and not know how to get out of it which and what place? so i would so if something was going on in my life i would allow that to affect me because my emotions would control me so much more I, does that make sense? I would allow my emotions to change my mood or to um, like I could be having a great day and then something negative would happen to me and it would just ruin just my, my day. Yeah, yeah just, just derail, derail me. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know how to get out of. So when I say I didn't know how to get out of that place, I don't mean of getting out of the place of spending time with Jesus because I love that place and you don't want to leave. Right? right. But you can't just go and pray. Right. And just spend time with Jesus 24 hours a day because when you do that, that's when he starts telling you what you need to go and do in the world and what you were created for. Right. So you can't just get in that place. So during this time, even though I went out with you, I still had fear on stepping out on what God was telling me to do. Mm -hmm. And then so during this time is this the first time that I was praying and God actually gave me a vision of this house of prayer and these these harvest homes. And uh, I knew that we were going to be going out in public and doing all this other stuff. But I had a fear of stepping out, one, partially because of the fear of man. And number two, the fear of not knowing the plan. And I right. joke about and. Right. and and I joke about, you know, I'm like, Lord, can't you just give it to me like Moses, how you're the just all the directions and it's this many inches and this much and like all this other stuff. But that ain't how it works. No. So well, I got so it's interesting because the same thing happens to me. And I think, Kevin, part of the reason why God doesn't work in our lives that way, because some people he does take Moses. Great example. God gave him exactly all the dimensions and, and all the different details. But <laughs> you know why he doesn't give us the details? Because we'll go do it without him. We'll, we'll, you know, if he gives us the, all the steps, I know you, and I know myself, I'm going to be like, all right, I got this. And then I'm going to go out and make a mess of it. So instead what he does is he gives me a piece. It's like with Abraham. So you can contrast Moses and Abraham, you know, God gave Moses all these details and all this different stuff. But Abraham, he said, get up and get out of your country, go to a land that I'm going to show you. He didn't say, Hey, here's a map, get there and I'll meet you there. Right. But that's how we would be like, OK, God, here's all this plan. So I'm going to go and do this. I'll meet you at the other side and we'll never make it because it'll be a, a, a dumpster fire. Yeah, I'd just cut all my <laughs> hair off and then he'd be like, yo, you forgot the armpit hair, dude. <laughs> I kind of already ratted myself out. So I think that was really accurate, brother. Oh, man, that's funny. That was a that was that was good insight and wisdom, bro. I never really thought of it in that regard. You know, obviously, I thought of it as the fact of he's testing our faith. And I think there is truth in that. You know, when you sure. do get to a certain place in your walk with God, that he does test your faith and test to see what you're going to do in different situations. So, yeah. So um, I want to ask you a question um, before we get to where we're going to start wrapping up here. Um, during this time, right? Like, so you detox, we kind of skipped over a big portion. I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit about... Um, where God set you free from that addiction, like at the moment, the watershed moment, right? Like for me, it was, you know, um, I had to go through a lot and do a lot of dumb things and make a lot of mistakes on that journey. Even after getting filled with the Holy spirit, 
Um, I had to come to this place where I wasn't dealing with God transactionally, meaning you do this, I'll do this. I, I just, I had to get to a place where my revelation of him was that I just need to submit because he's God. And if I don't submit because he's God, then I'm ultimately going to continue to try to do it on my own and fail miserably every single time. Right. So that was for me, that was kind of like the turning point in my life after making mistakes, even after giving my life to Christ. So I'm curious um, for you, what that kind of light switch, um, you know, was it a journey to be set free from, uh, addiction to opiates or was it like an overnight thing? So with opiates and, you know, cause I dabbled in other stuff like meth and sure. things like that. Okay. I know that one time I was in the church and there's this thing called a warring tongue where sometimes you'll be praying in the spirit and you will fall into this. I guess you would say it's a type of intercession where you sure. almost like get ticked off, man. Like you're like, sure. like as if something was, I don't know. I think of it as a mother and like a bear, you know, I just use a bear, you know, you ever seen a, like a bear and then yeah, they're around the cubs yeah. and you happen to get around in that area. And then she's it's like, Oh, good. she's yeah. yeah you don't want to be yeah. in that situation. No. So there's this like righteous anger that rises up into you. And I was like, shut up. Like I'm veins popping out of my neck. So I actually <laughs> believe in that moment that I was fighting against, cause it says the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through yeah. God. Right. And we don't fight against flesh and bones, but I believe I was actually in a spiritual battle in that moment. I could see these demons inside the church that were trying to stick with me. And they were confused when I was screaming at them in, in this Jewish language, right? Like that nobody understands. <laughs> yeah. Except I was screaming and walk, yeah. running around. Like, so th I this mean, was happening in the church. Oh yeah. Thank God that I was in a church that, Right. They allowed me to do that because, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, anybody would have seen me and been like, that guy's on meth and yeah. hallucinating. Yeah, we're, but we're already... I didn't... Go ahead. I didn't stop it. it. This was something that it never happened to me, but it just... Sure. I don't know. It was this burden, this thing that just took over me, and yeah. I just did. I just went with it. Sure. And what was crazy is as I was doing it, I could see these demons. Like, I was speaking to them, and they were kind of, like, looking at me like, are you serious? You want me to leave, bro? We've been together for, like, five years, right. man. Right. You know, you really want me to go? Right. And I remember screaming at him, but I could see, I couldn't literally see them, but I could sense them in the spiritual realm. I could see them in a spiritual realm. And they looked like those monsters ink cartoons. Right. Probably, probably because I would have been terrified if it was a demon. I would have been like, okay, you know, you can stay, <laughs> you know, like right. at that point in my life, you know? So yeah. anyways, yeah, that, that was the first time that I got, um, literally got set free. But I want to, the question that you were asking though, in this there are times where I have not necessarily with those types of drugs, but I have, you know, gone back and drank or at a certain yeah. time, you know, I fell back and I was smoking pot or something like that. Sure. Right. And I always struggled with something because I always, every time I tried to focus on the issue and trying to quit, the harder I fell into it. Mm. And the challenge with that is because the harder you try and stop, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go and pray more. I'm going to go and read more. I'm going to do mm. this. If I did this, if I did, if I did a, B, C and D, then I would be good. Right. Right. The problem with that is every time I tried to do that, what happens is we go back into our own strength. Right. There's no grace in that because I am trying to control the situation and I am trying. See, it's, it's like, think about the words, right? If you yeah. actually, I didn't think about this. This took me years to figure out. So if anybody's listening, just take our advice on this so you don't have to be trapped in this stuff. But when you say, 
I need to spend time more with God. Right. If I, right, these are the things that we end up saying to ourselves. And it doesn't matter if it's addiction, if it's, you know, pornography or, you know, overeating, uh, whatever yeah. it is, doesn't right. matter the issue. But you're like, oh, if I just went to the gym more, if I just disciplined myself more, it's if I, if I, if I, if I, that's the problem. Yeah. You, and you it know, took it's me interesting. years to figure that out. And, and I think there's still a lot of people that struggle with that. And, and it was the same thing for me. Um, anytime that I would try to do something, look, and here's the reality, right? If we could do it, we would have already done it. We wouldn't need Jesus, right? Like that's the, the, the end of the story is um, if, if I could have gotten clean or if I could have changed my life, then Jesus didn't need to die. He just needed to tell me, hey, you can do it. Give it your best shot. Just keep trying. Don't quit. You know, a lot of the, the world's... Um, uh, slogans and, and catchphrases. But the, the reality is, here's how the devil works in our life. If he can't get us to completely abandon our faith in Christ, he will get us to take him off the cross. What do I mean when I say that? Instead of his sacrifice being sufficient, instead of his grace being enough, like what he told Paul, that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Instead, he's saying, no, you're not a good Christian. The only way you're going to overcome is if you do it right. And don't get me wrong. Uh, Christianity is cooperation with the Holy Spirit. As he leads, we obey. Uh, we step into the things that he puts in front of us. So there is cooperation. And, and I, I do I do need to you know do my part by turning off the screen if pornography is my issue. Right. I got to stop going to the websites. But God empowers you to do that. Because the Bible says that it's him who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure, right? So he's the source, he's the desire. And, and it's interesting that you're saying this because I think this is true. Uh, it was true for me throughout addiction and even throughout my years as a Christian um, where I'd find myself in a place of bondage. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out of this place of bondage. And then I find myself actually digging the, the hole deeper, right? Like I'm entrenching myself further in because it's not by grace, it's by my works. And I've taken Christ off the cross and I've put myself there and my own ability to do so. And it, you trade one bondage for another. You trade not just the bondage of your sin, but you also trade it for the bondage of legalism, of performance, right? Of feeling like you have to perform or read your Bible and pray, which we should do those things 100%. But... Um, our motivation behind why we do those things is what matters. I'm not reading my Bible and praying just to be set free from sin. I'm reading my Bible and praying because I want a closer walk with Jesus and the byproduct is being set free from sin. Does that make sense? Desire versus demand. That's what I right. conclude it to be. Yeah, desire right. versus demand. I want to I want to add on to this. I mean, we're probably not going to get through my entire, you know, the last four seasons or some four years of my life because that's sorry, another bro. We got a lot crazy, of crazy, cra crazy testimony stuff and lessons that I've learned. And I know I'm sure. not the only person that just walked through, got slapped on the threshing floor, and just went through the wilderness season. Right. So I think there's a lot of um, things that we can bring light to down the road. But what I want to add to that is in this trying to get free right because that's mm -hmm. what we say right right but we use the word as far as like trying to get free but it was we were already set free right right so that's good the way the enemy attacks us is we could go i'd go like six months or 
three months or a month or two weeks or whatever without right. falling into sin, right? And when I say sin, I'm talking about gross sin, right? Not, you know, saying a bad word or I'm just using that, you know, gross sure. sin meaning, you know, the bigger things that people talk about. Right. Um, the enemy, even if you make it six months, he'd be like, oh, bro, you're still trapped. <laughs> and then you start to believe it. Because right. you're like, oh man, I thought I had it, I had it down, you know, I thought I was doing so good, and then all of a sudden you fall back into this. But when when I would relate it to gross sin, but let's just say, for example, you're a human being, <laughs> okay? I'm I'm actually generalizing this because, uh, and you're driving down the street, right? And somebody cuts you off, and you're like, oh, what the heck? Yeah. Okay. And you maybe call them a knuckle sandwich whatever right i don't know what you i'm trying to just use some some yeah, term right you're trying not, no, to I'm not on, saying, you're not trying to sin on a live broadcast i get it well no i'm not even <laughs> no i'm just no the reason why i use that word is because just because you don't say a cuss word did you lose your anger mm. and is being angry a sin depending in that manner specifically it is he says be angry and sin not but if we have anger from something like that that's sin is it not yeah. like if if, if you're well, right it depends on how it displays itself but yeah i mean it's it's one thing to be <laughs> well, angry. i've never seen it not be sin because i'm like you know thinking yeah. you know i mean i may be thinking a bad word in my sure. head but i don't say that's it but just, i'm i'm pissed yeah. off let's sure. be real right so where am i going with that is let's just say that happens in that moment when you get ticked off at that guy and you happen to get angry would you be like oh man i have anger problems still because it happened one time or once every six months or once every three months we don't think like that. We're like, no, well, we wouldn't think be like, oh, well, I have to get healed and I need help and I need to be more disciplined so I don't have these anger problems. You may think of it like briefly, but it doesn't trap you, mm. right? So why would we think of it in that situation, not be like, oh, it's not, you know, whatever. It's, you know, I don't really focus on it more than that five minutes. And then I'm like, Lord, help me, you know, yeah. so I don't get angry. But then yet when it's a gross sin or pornography or something else, we let it keep us in shame and guilt for the next three right. months, six months, and we call it, and we speak negatively and we say, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still bound to this thing. So anyways, mm -hmm. I'm trying to talk Change about how we language. speak. Yeah. yeah. Because we, why would we say that if what's the difference, I guess, is what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Sin is sin. I mean, yes. If we get into scriptures is sexual sin different and whatever. Yeah. Yes. There's truth in that. But my point is the mindset, right? We don't, we don't, curse ourselves and be like oh i've got all these anger problems because i got upset one time for some guy cutting me off yeah so anyways, i'm just trying to teach a principle i think or at least in my experience so you know we look at things because it's a perspective change and then the last thing that i want to add before you start wrapping this up is i was at um kenton keithley's house he's you know my spiritual father and i was watching this video with uh tony evans and he was talking and breaking this stuff down. And he, and I used to think because when these attacks would come to me, as far as you know, with sexual sin specifically, I'd be like, "Man, am I ever going to be free of this stuff?" Mm. Meaning, because I had the thought. So I'm thinking like, "Oh, these thoughts are going to go away." Sure. Right. And then when I would have the thoughts, I would 
you know, be like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to be done with this. Like, I just want to break. I just wanted it to be free. And he changed my perspective because he was like, the fact and the, the aspect that you're having the attack and the thoughts shows you that you're on the right track because yeah. you're already aware of it. And the enemy wouldn't be attacking you if you weren't on the right path. Right. So it changed my perspective and I'm like, okay, cool. So now when I get attacked, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm stoked on that, bro. Because the devil doesn't like me and he wants to trip me up. And I'm just like, I'm just changed my thoughts. So I've trained my eyes to just not look or yeah. to, you know, somebody came up to me in this, in the church and she was like, Hey, um, it's your second look. And when she yeah. said, it's your second look, what that meant to me at that point in my life was I would scroll down and I would see something and I'd be like, Oh, and then I'd go one page past and I'd be like, oh, let me look at that one more time. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. as soon as I did, then the scripture, you can help code it, but it's the thought Dude. conceived to sin. And then once the yeah. sin is conceived, yeah. it bears yeah. whatever I'm screwing it up. But the, there's a. Yes. Yeah. Basically, basically it it's once those thoughts are full grown, they conceive and birth sin. Um, you know, it's funny. I was laughing because when I was in prison. I was in fire camp and you know, you're, this is a bunch of men, right? That are out fighting fires on the fire line 24 hours. And there's females there. When you're in prison, you don't see a lot of females unless they're prison guards. And so they had a thing. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> hey, if you look twice, bro, you're going to get no, burned. Literally. No, but, <laughs> no, check it out. They had a thing. They called it reckless eyeballing. Right. Uh, so if you looked longer than a certain period of time, they called it reckless eyeballing and you can actually get written up and get in trouble for reckless eyeballing. I think that's, that's what we need. We got to coin that. That's a new phrase on the channel is reckless eyeballing for the men and for the women. Don't, don't think this is just for men. Uh, it's, it's the second look that gets you because the reality is right. Like it's one thing to, to notice a person. It's a whole other thing. And this word Jesus said, and I know we're kind of getting off topic a bit here, but Jesus said, if you look with lust, you've already committed adultery. So it's not the looking, it's the looking with, it's the looking with lust. It's that sexual desire that's behind the look that actually creates an adulterous heart, right? So hundred percent on board with what you're saying. It is that second look because the second look portrays what's in your heart. The first look, it's like you just keep scrolling past and all, you know, that's why a lot of times I'm not even on Instagram and, and stuff like that. And TikTok is, oh man, we can do a whole entire thing on TikTok. But um, what, what I want to do really quick before we're going to end, I know it's, we've been rolling for an hour and 12 minutes um, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you on the broadcast and your guys' interaction. I hope you're getting something out of uh, Kevin's story. Um, but what I'd like to do really quick is um, I'd like to just kind of fast forward to where you're at today because it would be um, it would be wrong for us to start with Christ, right? Which you did getting into the Word and talking about the magnificence of God in Psalm 139, and then to to leave it on kind of this negative connotation. So wh where are you at today? Like what's going on in your life today? Uh, what is God doing? What's He speaking to you? Really quick. Um, well, you know, I know we say we got off topic, but that is part of my testimony. Everything sure. and the wisdom and stuff that, that I was sharing was, you know, things that I have learned and that, that I could testify about at this point in time. But so where am I today 
and where do I believe or what do I believe God is wanting me to do in this next season? Is that kind of your question? Sure. That'll work. Well, this, uh, where I'm at in my life. So I would say to summarize the past four years, I have gone through just everything being flipped upside down. Mm. And when I look back and recognize or what I foresee that God is doing in my life and has already done a lot of this, right. But he's still continuing is he has stripped everything from me, my identity, I would love mm. to say it was 100% in Christ and in, in who I am as a son of God. But I think that there were tangible things. You know, I was had a good job. I was used to being able to buy what I wanted. Not that I was a multimillionaire or anything, but I, you know, had money saved. So if I wanted something and he has just humbled me. In, in a lot of ways, I had somebody yeah. come and speak a scripture and he said, you know, the scripture that everybody, you know, quotes out of context and says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But right. in reality, it's talking about before that, it says that it's really I've learned how to abound in a base. I've learned how to have a lot and have nothing. I've learned yeah. how to, you know, suffer need and have desire for stuff. And I've had plenty of things in my life. And that is the season in a nutshell in the last four years of my life that I have have had to learn yeah. um, that it, no matter what situation that I am, whether I'm broke or I have a lot of money, whether, you know, I'm suffering uh, because I, I feel like I did go through a lot of suffering. I suffered a lot, uh, but I've learned to be content in that and I'm okay with it now, but it, it was a hard lesson. It was sure. a long lesson. I, sure. Well, I prayed for, I said, Lord, I, I believe I have all these other fruits, but I don't know how to long suffer. Cause shoot, you could ask my aunt. She sends me out to do yard work at her house. And I'm like, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm suffering out here, the heat and I'm getting dirty. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know, I hate long suffering, but you know, when, <laughs> right. when it comes to spiritually speaking, it's mm -hmm. awesome because it produces fruit. Right. It produces perseverance. And those right. are the things that I believe that God needs to produce in my life for me to accomplish the things that he has already written out for me to do in my life. And now right. I'm coming into agreement and I don't think it, it matters. You know, we were talking about Nehemiah and Sam Ballot, and there's nobody that's going to get me off the wall. Right. There's nothing that's going to stop me. I believe God will do this stuff in my life. I have no doubt. Unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way that it wasn't in my timing and it isn't sure. going to happen the exact way that I think it is. And I'm okay with that. I don't right. care anymore. I'm content and I'm in the worst financial place in my life. I'm, you know, as whatever, if any single ladies out there, Hey man, I ain't got no money. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, you know what I mean? But I, I really believe that God's going to restore everything in my life. And I, yeah. I say that jokingly, cause if you're coming after me for, if I had money, I don't want to be married to that woman anyways, cause that's sure. not who I want to be with. Sure. So I could care less, you know, at this point, you know, I'm not angry and I'm not being facetious, but I don't care what people think of me anymore. I just sure. don't. And I'm, I'm content with wherever I'm at. If I get thrown in prison, you know, what? I'll be content with a bologna sandwich, you know? Well, you say that now, but you haven't seen the bologna they serve in prison. Oh, I've seen it. I just haven't had to eat it more than 24 hours. So they used to, so when I was in prison, they threw these, these packs of bologna out on the yard. Nobody, nobody really ate them unless you like had zero, nothing. And you had no choice but to eat them. And they would sit out there in their little package the birds, the seagulls wouldn't even eat them. They would just sit there and for months, bro, they would sit there and they looked exactly the same like three months later. 
as before. You could take them out of the package and put them on the just ground. Just like McDonald's, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, Remember that study oh, on the French gosh. fries? Hey, you oh. know what? I, I, let, let me add this, though, yeah. because I, I think for a lot of people, at least for me, when I was sitting in a pew and I would hear somebody say, oh, I've learned to be content, you know, I'll just be co content. Okay, sure. That doesn't mean that we're never going to ever have a thought of complaining. Yeah, because I when people would say that I'm like, man, I need to be like this guy up here who's preaching and doing all this other stuff. And man, there's a difference when you speak in and under the anointing. And I'm not saying I am necessarily at this moment. Right. But there's a difference when you're speaking truth. Yeah. And in the reality of the situation, just because I have say that I'm going to be content and I'm OK, it's going to be a lot easier next time is what I'm trying to say. Will there be a moment where I complain or cry about it? And I'm like, Lord, I hate this situation and whatever. Sure. Yeah, but that's OK. Sure. He understands our humanity. Sure. He, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, uh, what's really cool, and, and I, I, I can see these marks in my life as well over the years. Um, before, when I would get into a place of discontentment, right? A place where I wasn't content, I wasn't satisfied, you know, all of those things. And I'm talking about uh, before Christ and even in sort of like the beginning stages of my walk. Those were always turning points in my life that led me back to drugs or led me back to that other lifestyle that derailed me. So I think it's really cool. You kind of sharing this, this, uh, where you're at today and, and the triggers and the pressure points and all of the things that are kind of being heaped on you. And I, and I, I know all of them, but my, my point is, is that it hasn't made you fold. You haven't given up your faith. You haven't ran back to drug use. You haven't ran to alcohol. You haven't ran to anything but back to Jesus. And I think, you know, for people that are listening to this broadcast, and, and it's not even if your your addiction was your thing. Maybe um, maybe it's some other sin. Maybe you have something, some other quote-unquote pet sin that you run to when things like this hit your life. And, and I think the encouragement here is, is that no matter where you've been in your life or what you've been through, if you get to the point where you've learned godliness with contentment is great gain, where you recognize that God's faithful throughout all facets and seasons of your life, you'll find yourself, instead of letting um, these disturbing seasons or seasons filled with storms push you away from Christ, they actually push you closer to him. Right. And, and would you say, Kevin, that's kind of been your experience that these last four years there has been some bumps in the road, some brick walls and uh, different things like that. But here you are four years later. And would you say that today you're closer to Christ than you were four years ago? Absolutely. I, I would. Um, when, when you go through these times. Just don't quit, bro. That's it. That's, mm. I think that's what God is asking. He's like, don't give up. Right. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. You and, yeah. and I lost hope at certain times, but I just knew that I think I was reading it. He's like, Lord, where else would I go? And I know God has been faithful. So I had to take these moments in my life. It wasn't until when things started to change for me, not yeah. in my life, meaning financially, sure. uh, you know, a house, a wife, like all these other things that I would sure. love to have in my life. That wasn't what changed. It was the perspective change that in a moment when you're going through stuff like that, this is where you have to remember. This is why Jesus told them to put the stones in the river. 
to celebrate the different holidays and of Passover and festival to remember the time to that remember. he delivered them out mm-hmm. of Egypt and right. and they did those things. It, it, those are the times. This is what will get you out of these times. It's not sure. about okay, I'm gonna get here. Just bl- say, you know what, Lord, I know I'm gonna get there, and it sucks. But it says even the scripture that even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You know how right. you get through these dark times? You remember everything yep. that he has done for you in your yep. past. And when you can do that, then you remember the character of God and not the situation. And God's character doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yeah, that's, that's it. Good. Stand on him, bro. That yeah. is it. Yeah. Remember what he's done for you in your past. And if you if he hasn't done something for you in your past, then give your life to him and watch your life changed. Right. And he'll but do you got to repent present. to do that and acknowledge your wrong ways and everything you're doing and find somebody that will speak life to you and bring you into the church and love on you because that's who he is. He's a jealous God. He just wants you to right. love him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Yeah. It's like a dog. I, th- I hate to you relate God to a dog, but I'm using this as a, as a picture to speak. It doesn't matter how people treat a dog. A dog gets excited when the owner comes home. He always wags his tail and he wants to kiss him and lick him and love him. And Jesus will take you no matter what you've done if you're willing to admit you were wrong in certain situations. He just wants to love you. That's it. Amen. It's that simple, man. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm excited um, because I, I've i seen over the last five and a half, almost six years now that you and I have been friends, I have seen this transformation take place in your life. And we've been on the phone many times and we've walked through seasons, both of us, you know, I'm calling you for this and you're calling me for that. Uh, both of us walk through these seasons, you know, iron sharpens iron and all of that. But to see where you're at today um, knowing that a lot of the situations and circumstances haven't changed, but I've watched you change in the midst of those circumstances. And I think that's, that's really a, that's a word for somebody. Um, don't, don't wait for your circumstances to change before you change. Um, and, and that's, that's a, a big deal. I think for people because, uh, life as a Christian is not circumstantially dependent. Right. Like I, my, my happiness, my peace, my joy are not circumstantially dependent, meaning I don't have to have good circumstances in order to feel like I am blessed in order to feel like I have gifts and that God is doing things in my life. And this is something that we have to shift in our mindset. And I think it comes back to what you were saying, um, that ultimately you have to get to a place of contentment and that's just recognizing and remembering all the places God's brought you from. And it's recognizing and, and remembering that God is faithful, no matter what your circumstances in your seasons look like. Um, Kenton, Kenton says, don't let your circumstances dictate your theology. Absolutely. Our theology is supposed to dictate our circumstances. And the reality is our theology should be intact no matter what our circumstances are. If we're moved by circumstances, we've lost our anchor. We've lost our anchor. And that anchor is hope, right? Like ultimately, if you think about it, when we allow negative circumstances to affect us, we've lost our hope that God is faithful and that he'll ultimately deliver us if we keep our eyes focused on him. Um, so what, what I want to do Kevin, we got six minutes because I want to end this um, in six minutes so we can. I know uh, it's getting late for some folks that are on this broadcast, but I want to make sure that we update the new time for next week. So I know you got a scripture. Um, so you want to read that really quick? Um, I don't know if I. I don't know if I found it quite yet. But, what are you looking for? But uh, uh, well, I'm in the right spot. I just got to find. I'm in the right chapter at least. 
but I just want to add something when you're saying, uh, you know, don't wait for your circumstance to change. I want to add something because this last four years of my life, mm-hmm. I believe if I had recognized the fact that God was wanting me to change, I probably could have shortened my wilderness. Oh, imagine that. So what you're saying is sometimes the circumstances we're in are directly related to our lack of ability to change. Yes. And God is saying, Hey, I want to bring you into this next season in your life. And I want right. to bless you and put you into the land of Canaan with a milk of or a land of milk and honey with yeah. all of your needs and everything that you've met. But he's saying, I'm waiting for you to change. When he sent him into the wilderness, he said he, the reason why before they go into the land of Canaan in Deuteronomy chapter nine, he talks about that. Look, I put you out here to test you. Right. And this is what I was trying to say. We're going to summarize my last four years right here, bro. Like, because this is just so important. But he goes, it is not, listen to what he says here. He goes, understand therefore that the Lord your God gives you not this good land to possess it for your righteousness. For you are a Mm. stiff-necked, stubborn people. Mm. Stiff-necked means stubborn. You are a stiff-necked people. Remember and forget not how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you did depart out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord, meaning disobedient. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to you too have destroyed you when i was gone up to the mount to receive the tables of stone even the tables of the covenant which the lord made with you then i abode in the mount 40 days and 40 nights so i'm going to skip a little bit and it goes and i came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the lord gave me the two tables and it says and the lord said to me arise get you down quickly from here for your people which you have brought forth out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. So anyways, he goes on and he says, you're stiff-necked people, you're stubborn. So don't think it's because of your holiness and your Mm. greatness. He goes, this is because I love you. Right. And then he warns him and says, once I give it to you, you better remember all that other stuff and that I was the one who did it. Yep. So I couldn't, I was trying to find the scripture like on the fly right there, but I all good. I, I couldn't find it. But anyways, I'm trying to say that sometimes God is waiting for us to change. That's why they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. I wasn't perfect over he the last four years. It. I complained and did all this other stuff. But yet, this is what I do believe is I'm going into a season in one year or two years from now. You're going to be hearing a crazy testimony about what God has done in my life. So we already anyways. just did, bro. We already heard a, a crazy testimony about what God has done in your well, life. Well, he doesn't stop it, bro. What Amen. I'm saying is I'm excited about what's to We go from glory come. to glory. That's right? right. We go from glory to glory and being transformed into his image. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Truth Uncut. We're grateful for you. We're praying for you. And we just ask that you could go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this show. It will help us greatly get this message out to as many people as possible. We love you all. We're praying for you. Believe in God that he has his best in mind for your life. And remember this one thing. The truth can't change your heart if your ears have shut the door. We'll see you next week.